welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. Take your Bibles and turn in the New Testament to 2 Timothy. This is the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy that we have in, in our Christian Bible. And this is perhaps, probably, almost certainly the last thing that the Apostle Paul wrote. And we have it in the New Testament. He is writing this letter to the young pastor, Timothy, who is pastoring in Ephesus in Asia Minor. He's writing to Timothy because he, Paul, knows that he is approaching the end of his life. He, Paul, is imprisoned in Rome, and he is anticipating his execution at the hands of the Romans. He is going to become a martyr, a sacrifice for his faith in Jesus Christ. And it appears as if Timothy, the young pastor Timothy, was Paul's son in the flesh. He was Paul's protege. And it was perhaps Timothy that was to take over and lead the early Christian community after Paul leaves this world for the next. So our text is 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'll begin reading at the third verse. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. When I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, Paul says, I remind you, Timothy, to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Church, would you pray with me? Great God of heaven and earth, we give you thanks for all that you are to us. We give you thanks, especially on this All Saints Sunday, for all the people that you've placed in our lives. We thank you, God, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and that our communion with one another and with you is eternal. We thank you that the church is one. Whether the church militant on this earth or the church triumphant in heaven, we are one. And we continue to fellowship with one another. We thank you, God, for all those people that you've placed in our lives to show us the way to you, to show us how to live as passionate Christ followers. And we thank you for their witness to the faith and for the legacy that they've left us. 
God, we know that people are watching us. We know, God, that we are mentoring others, whether consciously or unconsciously. So we pray that we may be strong, strong witnesses for Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time. We know that you've called each one of us into this place. We're not here simply by accident. We're not here because it was something on our calendar. We know that you called us to this time and you have a word for each one of us. So give us ears to hear what you're saying to us this day. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray and let the church say, Amen. This past week, it was strongly impressed upon me that I needed to speak from this text on All Saints Sunday. This is the last thing that Paul wrote. This is what Paul wrote to his protege, his child in the faith, Timothy. These words are very important. They, they went first to Timothy, but they're coming today to us. I want us to notice what it is that Paul speaks about first as he gives this whole letter of encouragement to Timothy. I want you to notice that he quickly gets to some important issues at the very beginning of the letter. And I think because they are here at the very beginning of the letter, immediately following his salutation, we need to pay particularly close attention to what Paul is saying to Timothy so that we may receive it today. Timothy has a tremendous task ahead of him. He's being called to pick up the mantle from Paul. He's being called perhaps to lead the early Christian community after Paul. And he needs to be reminded of some really important things as he faces the very challenging task ahead of him. I suspect that many of us, perhaps all of us here in this sanctuary today, are facing some very challenging days. Perhaps we're facing a particularly challenging task ahead of us. We need to hear these words from Paul. We need to learn from Paul how we, how we are equipped to do the challenging task, the challenging days ahead of us. And we see that here in this text. So as soon as Paul greets Timothy in verses 1 and 2, he begins to talk about some really important issues. And we need to be mindful of what he says. In, verses, in verse 3, he just says he's very grateful to God and that he's praying daily for Timothy. Then in verse 4, he says he is recalling Timothy's tears and he longs to see Timothy so that Timothy might be filled with joy. We don't know exactly to what these tears are referencing. Perhaps it's just the regular tears that pastors shed over their flock. Timothy is pastoring the church in Ephesus, and uh, that's perhaps certainly is always a struggle. But we also know from the book of Acts that when Paul left Ephesus for the last time, 
He told Timothy and all the elders and the saints there in the Ephesian church that they would never see him again. It really was a word of prophecy that Paul was speaking to the Christians there at Ephesus. So maybe Paul was marked by the tears he saw Timothy, his child in the faith, shed on that day when he left Ephesus for the last time. And he's referencing the tears that Timothy has shed. And he's saying that he wants to see Timothy again, would love to see Timothy again, so that Timothy could be filled with joy. But then in verses 5 and following in this text I read for a few moments ago, Paul is saying three very specific things to Timothy. I really feel that Timothy received what Paul was saying. I pray that we will receive what Paul is saying to us today in this same text. You notice in verse 5, Paul is saying to Timothy that he should remember his spiritual history. Notice in verse 5, Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. The word sincere there literally in the Greek is without hypocrisy. We're all hypocrites to a certain extent. Hopefully we're, we are recovering hypocrites. None of us live up to our goals. Hopefully our goals will always stay beyond the way we're living. But we are striving to be unhypocritical. We're striving to be authentic. So Paul says to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere, unhypocritical faith. A faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure, Paul says to Timothy, that this same faith lives in you. We really don't know very much about his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. We know from the book of Acts at the beginning of the 16th chapter that when Paul went to Lystra in Asia Minor, that's where he encountered Timothy and Timothy's family. And we're told there in Acts chapter 16 that Timothy's mother was Jewish and she was a Christ follower. She was a believer in Jesus Christ, but Timothy's father was not. He was a Greek and probably perhaps was not a believer in Jesus Christ. The earliest Christian days are very much like our days. Oftentimes it's the mothers that pass the faith alone. Oftentimes it's the women in our midst that's proclaiming the faith. That was fine in the earliest Christian community. It's certainly fine today. So for Timothy, it was Lois and Eunice, his grandmother and his mother, that taught him about Jesus, that had him grounded in the Hebrew Bible and had him grounded in faith in the Hebrew Messiah, Jesus Christ. I wish we knew more about Lois and Eunice. I'm sure they were great, great people, but when I when I read about Lois and Eunice, I cannot help but think, and I hope the same is true for you, I cannot help but think about those people that God has peppered into my life to help me learn the faith, to witness to me concerning the faith, to mentor me in the faith. God has given me so many wonderful people over the course of my life, and I deserve not a one of them. And the same is true for you. I hope that during this All Saints Sunday service, you're calling to mind the people that God has given you as gifts in your life to mentor you in the faith. 
My mother and father never could give me anything almost materially. We had a very simple life. Our needs were met, but it was a very simple life when I was growing up. There was a lot they couldn't give me, but they gave me a firm foundation in the faith. They saw to it that every Sunday I was in church. I heard Pastor Clark say this morning, and the same was true for me. When I was growing up on Sunday mornings, I had two choices. I could go to church, or I could go to church. My parents saw to it that I was in church every Sunday morning. And I remember Clark and my family, if I happened to be sick on Sunday morning, there was no miraculous recovery at 1230. The rule was if I was sick on Sunday morning, I was sick all Sunday. My parents saw to it that I was given a grounding in the Christian faith. They wanted me to have a lot in life, but the thing they wanted most for me to have in life was a grounding in the Christian faith. I'm so grateful that my parents gave me that. When I think about the people who have made a spiritual investment in me, I cannot help but remember or think about my, my paternal grandmother. Her name was Elba Melvina Owens Patterson, born in 18... 96, died in 1983. I remember the year of her death because that was the year that I finally said yes to the call. I was in college and I finally said yes to the call and said yes to going to seminary. And that was an embarrassing thing for a very young person of my age. I was 22 at that point. And it was really hard for me to say yes to the call. It was very hard for me to let other people publicly know that I felt I was called to the ministry. And it was, it was hard for me to start telling people that I was saying yes and I was going to seminary. I remember that one of the first people I ever wanted to tell I was going to seminary was my paternal grandmother, Elba Melvina Owens Patterson. She was a great woman of faith. I know she prayed for me. I know she prayed for me daily, and I wanted to tell her, but before I got around to telling her, she died rather suddenly. I'm grateful that because of what I believe about the communion of the saints, because of what I believe about the ongoing fellowship or communion of the saints, because of what I believe that the church in heaven and on earth is one, because of what I believe about us being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, because of what I believe about worship being a meeting of heaven and earth, I believe that somehow my grandmother knows what I've done with the rest of my life since 1983. I hope that the Spirit is helping you call to remembrance right now the people that God has placed in your life to influence you for the sake of Jesus Christ. Influence is a great, great power. We need to never forget the power of influence. I read two studies this past week, and they both said the same thing, that if we live to be an average age when we leave this world for the next, we live to be 78.5 years old. And if we start at age 5, which these two authors assume we start influencing people at age 5. don't know how they came to that determination. But if we live to be 78.5 years old and we start at age 5, they determine that over the course of our lives, we would touch, influence 80,000 people. 
you are influencing many, many people in many different ways. You are influencing people. You are mentoring people in the faith of Jesus Christ. Whether you acknowledge it or not, there are people watching you. There are some people watching you very closely. Children, grandchildren. You need to every day remind yourself, as I try to remind myself, I'm mentoring people for the sake of Jesus Christ. I'm influencing people for the sake of Jesus Christ. Either I'm helping them get closer to Jesus Christ or I'm hindering them from getting close to Jesus Christ. Even something as simple as the way you chose to celebrate or not celebrate Halloween this past week influenced your influence of others for the cause of Jesus Christ. We need to be very mindful of our lives because people are watching us closely. They particularly are watching us closely when we suffer. We are mentoring other people for the sake of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for those people that God has placed in my life. We are celebrating All Saints Sunday today. I love All Saints Sunday for so many reasons. It reminds me of so many great truths of the Bible and the Christian faith. I love every All Saints Sunday. It's usually every All Saints Sunday when we sing the great hymn, For All the Saints who from their labors rest. That hymn stirs me in so many ways. I hope it stirred you a few moments ago in so many ways. There's so many lines in that hymn that stirs me. I particularly love the line that says, We feebly struggle, but they in glory shine. And all are one in thee, for all are thine. I'm so glad the church is one, the fellowship, the communion of the saints is eternal. I'm so grateful that all those people that have lived and died in Christ, who have been part of my life, will always be part of my life. Whether they're here on this side of the veil or the other side of the veil, I'm so grateful that the veil between this world and the world to come is so thin I'm so grateful that every time we worship, all the company of heaven joins us in worship. You'll hear that again in the Eucharistic prayer. We join in the song of the angels, holy, holy, holy. You'll hear that again in the Eucharistic prayer. I'm so glad that we are a spiritual, supernatural people. And that I believe that our fellowship... Our communion with those in Christ is eternal. Every time we do the creed, we say we believe in the communion of the saints. And that is a rich and profound piece of Christian theology. I hope that you are stirred by it and sustained by it and strengthened by it and even comforted by it. I'm so glad that even though, even though we feebly struggle, we know they're in glory shining I'm so grateful that we are one in Thee, in God, because we are all, we all belong to Jesus Christ. And our communion of the saints, our fellowship that we have as the saints, the people of God, is eternal. The word saint simply means someone who's been set apart for Christ. That's what the word agios in the Greek means. It doesn't necessarily mean someone of great ethical moral stature. That hopefully that a saint, someone who's been set apart for Jesus Christ, is growing every day in holiness. But it simply means someone that's been set apart for the work of Christ in the world. If you belong to Christ, if you profess faith in Christ, you've been set apart by Christ.
for work in this world. That's the simple, basic definition of a saint. That's why the saint, a saint is all those people in our lives that, 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 that has had, they've had faith in Christ, they've been set apart for Christ. And they're serving Christ in this age. After Paul reminds Timothy to remember his spiritual history, his spiritual heritage, he reminds Timothy also that Timothy needs to rekindle the gift. Look at verse 6. Paul says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. Paul participated in the ordination of Timothy. That was the laying on of the hands. That's when they prayed for the gifts of Timothy to be stirred up in his life. I hope that you realize baptism in the Christian faith is the general ordination of the laity. We are all ordained to minister. We are all ministers on behalf of Jesus Christ in this world. The Bible promises us, assures us, that each one of us, we have at least one gift that's given to us straight from the Spirit for the good of the body, for the edification of believers, for the building up of the church. And I hope that all of us are living out of our gifts. And it's not a boastful thing to claim the gifts that God's given to us because it's not us, it's God given us these gifts. I hope that we're living out of our gifts and we're using our gifts for the good of the body. And that we know that we must continually be rekindling the gift. The image is that of blowing on some embers that are about to be extinguished. We must rekindle the gift. God has given each one of us gifts that God wants us to use for the good of the body, but sometimes those gifts atrophy because of unused, disuse, or abuse. The gifts that God has given to us atrophy, and we need to, perhaps even daily, rekindle the gift, cause the gifts to be fanned into flame again for the good of the body around us. So Paul tells Timothy that after he tells him, remember his spiritual heritage, rekindle the gift. And then lastly in verse 7, one of my life verses, a verse that I hope that you'll memorize. In verse 7, Paul tells Timothy to truly receive the three special gifts that he mentions in this verse. Look at verse 7. Paul says to Timothy, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. The Greek word there is fear, but it's a strong fear. That's why some translations say God did not give us a spirit of fear or cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Power, the Greek word there is dunamis. It's the word that is eventually translated into dynamite. God has given us power. God has given us agape, Jesus style love, agape, and self-discipline, or perhaps you want to translate that self-control. I love this affirmation. I love to repeat this affirmation to myself. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Anytime you feel the spirit of fear motivating you you need to remember God has not given you a spirit of fear it's the enemy giving you that fear God has not given you a spirit of fear but he's given you 
a spirit of power, dunamis. You can do whatever God has called you to do. The power within you is greater than any task ahead of you. He has given you the, the spirit of power, the spirit of love. We can love the world around us with an, an extravagant Jesus-style love. And he also has given us a spirit of self-control. I don't hear us say much about self-control and self-discipline in the life of the church. But God has given us a spirit of self-control. It's a gift that's been given to us. We have to fan it into flame in our lives. You know, occasionally I hear people say, and they act as if people who speak their mind are to be honored or esteemed. Speaking our mind is not a spiritual gift. The spirit of self-control is the spiritual gift. So we have been given the gift, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And Paul wanted to remind Timothy of that as he embarked upon the great task. I think what we know from the letter is that Timothy had an issue with being very shy, being very timid. And Paul was calling him to a great task. And that's why Paul is saying to Timothy, remember your spiritual heritage. Remember all that people have poured into you spiritually. And rekindle the flame. Rekindle the gifts. And remember, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, great love, and self-control. May we hear the Spirit speaking the same thing to us today.